Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Cleveland Indians 8, the Detroit Tigers 5. The Cleveland Indians have now won 20 games in a row against the Detroit Tigers. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And we had ourselves a baseball game today. It was competitive. It was back and forth. The Indians score eight runs on 13 hits. The Detroit Tigers scored five runs on 11 hits. It was a close game up until the sixth inning when the Indians busted things open. This was not a game for fans of pitching. Uh, neither team pitched well. The starter for the Indians was Plutko. He went two and two-thirds innings, gave up six hits, three earned runs, no walks, and a strikeout. So not a great start for Plutko. For the Tigers, he was on a pitch count. Michael Former goes also two and two-thirds, five hits, three earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts. He gave up two home runs. And that is all our starting pitchers could give us. Neither got out of the third. Both teams used seven pitchers on the day. 14 total pitchers used. And there are, are a lot of high ERAs after today. Let's take a look at how it all went down. Let's take a look at the highlights. And the Indians get the scoring going first in the second inning. It was a busy top of the second for the Indians. But... The only thing you really need to know is that Fermil Reyes hit a monster home run to right center field. Not the biggest home run he hit on the day. We will get to that. But he hits a big home run to lead off the top of the second inning. ton of stuff went down, but no other run scored. And it was the kind of inning where you're like, even though no other run scored, you're encouraged. So Tyler Naquin singles, Domingo Santana grounds into a double play. Sandy Leone walks, Delano DeShield singles, and then Cesar Hernandez is called out on strikes. So they battled, but they're only able to get one run across. In the top of the third, that's when the damage continues, and it felt like the Indians might run away with this thing in the third. Jose Ramirez walks, and then Francisco Lindor comes up with a big home run to right field. He crushes a ball down and in. He was crushing everything today. He had three hits on the day, all extra base hits. Definitely in contention for MVP for the day. But that home run was great to see after I know I was hard on him yesterday. I said that I was on the train to move him to the leadoff spot. I got to be honest, I kind of still feel that way. I feel like this offense would run pretty great with him, in leading, with him leading off. But he clearly listened to the podcast and decided that he was going to do some damage from the three hole. So three big hits on the day from Lindor. So now the Indians are up three, nothing, but the Tigers do strike back. And this is where Pleco gets into trouble. He gives up a double to lead off the inning to Griner. Jacoby Jones lines out on a shot to third base and Jose Ramirez. Then Nico Goodrum singles up the middle. Griner scores, so the Detroit Tigers get on the board. It's 3-1. to one. Then you think, okay, we can limit the damage there. Nope, Harold Castro doubles. Harold Castro had himself a fun day. He played three different positions today. He started in right field, moved to third base, and then moved back to right field later in the game. There were a couple of ejections for the Tigers, and things got interesting. So he doubles, Nico Goodrum's now on third, and then Miguel Cabrera comes up, takes a nice easy swing, singles up the middle, classic Miguel Cabrera swing, 
drives in two runs, and now we got ourselves a tie ball game. He gets uh, Scope to pop out to second base, but then he gives up a ground rule double to Candelario, and that that's where things got interesting for Detroit because this should have been an RBI double. I don't even know if he made it to third. It might have been an RBI triple with Miguel Cabrera scoring. However, someone on the Indians, it looked like the cutoff man threw his hands up. The ball... Tyler Nakin was expecting the ball to carry him off the corner and come back to him. It didn't. It stopped dead underneath the wall. He goes in and gets it, gets the ball out, gets it back in, but not in enough time. Miguel Cabrera scores. They, uh, they end up calling that the ball was stuck under the wall, and they end up ruling it a ground rule double, which at the time felt like a huge, huge play because it holds Miguel Cabrera at third, and it takes the go-ahead run off the board for the Tigers. Ron Gardenier Ron was not happy about it. He comes out. He argues a play. He gets tossed from the game. And these umpires got to remember that there's no fans to drown out the noise. So a nice, fun F-bomb from the umpire as he tosses Ron Gardenier out of the game. I'm sure Major League Baseball will not be happy about that. He will probably get a letter in the mail. But... Uh, that does it for Plucko. During the ejection, Terry Francona has seen enough. He takes Plucko out of the game. Uh, Plucko battled. He threw only 47 pitches, but 33 were for strikes. So maybe it was a case that he was throwing too many strikes, right? He was putting too many in the sweet spot of the plate, in the on the plate. And these guys were crushing him. So Terry Francona has seen enough. He gets him out of the game. Brings in Phil Maton, and Phil is able to get Christian Stewart to line out to end the threat. So instead of being down 4-3, to three, it's 3-3, three, three, and that would, well, in the end, that run wouldn't prove much, but at the time, it felt like a lot. It felt like a really important run at the time. The Indians go up a run in the top of the fifth. This time, it is Jose Ramirez's turn. There was some conversation in the dugout. There was definitely something going on because he turns, smacks a home run to left field, crushes it, and turns and points to the dugout. So clearly there was a discussion going on in the dugout about something that Tyler Alexander was doing, and Jose Ramirez was locked in and ready for what was coming and crushes a home run. That would be the only run in the fifth for the Indians. Then Dominic Leone comes in to pitch the fifth. Now that Plucko's out, we're into the bullpen. We ran through a lot of pitchers today. Leon gets into some trouble. Harold Castro singles. A wild pitch allows him to move up to second. And then Miguel Cabrera again singles up the middle, this time kind of a blue shot, and Harold Castro comes around to score. Miguel Cabrera had two hits on the day, three RBIs plus a walk. So Miguel Cabrera figured out, remembered that he is the best all-time at doing damage against the Indians. In fact, we talked about weighted runs created a few days ago and that Miguel Cabrera definitely was the biggest menace the Indians had, well, now he's got his WRC up to 160. So Miguel Cabrera continues to increase his lead as the biggest menace the Indians have ever faced. All right, so you're probably getting a little frustrated as an Indians fan, right? We score, we go up one, we give it right back. It's 4-4, but now we get into the sixth inning, and Sandy Leone has himself his first big home run for the Indians on the season. He hits a line drive to right field. Just a low fastball. Just went down and got it. And Sandy Leone is actually having himself a good series. 
He's got his batting average up. I can't believe I'm saying this sentence. He's got his batting average up to 119, which, you know what, for our, you, our replacement catcher, for our backup catcher, for a guy that's handled his pitching staff really well in the absence of Roberto Perez, fine, I'll take it. I'll take 119 batting average. Uh, he drives in. That's his only hit on the day. It's only RBI and run scored. He did walk twice. So Leon is getting on base and walking. His OPS is only 503. So it's not much offensively from Sandy Leon, but hey, give him credit where credit is due. A big home run today, which again puts the Indians up a run, and they do not stop there. Delino to Shields drops down a bunt. He beats it out. He's got the wheels to do it. So why not do it? It was a great bunt. Cesar Hernandez doubles on a fly ball to center field. He crushed one. We got runners on second and third now. I thought the line of the shields might be able to score, but I think he held up because he thought the ball might be caught. So he kind of had to hold and see what happened, and then he was able to get to third. Jose Ramirez, you know what? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. He grounds out to second base, which brings in the run from third. The line of the shield scores. That type of small ball for a team that's, you know, up until Detroit series has been struggling offensively, that type of small ball is going to be really important moving forward as we face the Minnesota Twins, as we face, uh, well, we're only facing AL Central and NL Central opponents, but some of these other really strong offensive teams, to be able to put a run across like that is huge. It puts the Indians up 6-4, to four. then Francisco Lindor comes up. He doubles. This time, he hits it to left field, doing it from both sides of the plate. And Cesar Hernandez comes across the score, makes it 7-4. to four. So a big inning from the Indians, and that felt like it really, really put the Indians up and put them ahead in this game. It really felt like all the momentum was on the Indians' side. Top of the seven, Fermil Reyes comes up again, and this time, a monster, monster home run to dead center field makes it eight to four. He put it above the shrubs. He put it in the in the vines hanging down above the shrubs in center field. Go check out this highlight because it is one of the biggest home runs you will see, and great to see from Fermil Reyes. And that's really everything until the ninth inning. Uh, Cam Hill did get into a little bit of trouble, but James Karinchek came in and took care of things, shut shut down everything in the seventh, and then Karinchek continued to pitch in the eighth. I was surprised. I thought maybe he had, he was already in double-digit pitches, maybe that would just be enough. But no, he leaves Karinchek in to pitch the eighth, and he goes one, two, three in the eighth, getting a flyout and two strikeouts. So Karinchek goes one and two-thirds innings with three strikeouts. And that is big. You know, when you've already put so many guys from the bullpen out there, for a guy to eat up five outs like that late in the game is huge from Karinchek. Then in the ninth inning, Fermil Reyes comes up again, and Joe Jimenez is pitching for the Tigers. And he fires one high and tight that Fermil Reyes can't get away from. And it actually... He like leaned back, leaned his outside shoulder back and put his hands up in defense and hit the outside of his hand right at the wrist. It looked really painful. It looked really bad. To be honest, it looked kind of dirty from Jimenez. I mean, when a guy is homered twice off you in the game and then you plunk him in the ninth inning high and tight, that's a really bad look. And I was expecting some fireworks in the bottom of the ninth inning 
for whoever was pitching for the Indians. I was expecting a little retribution. It actually didn't happen. There were fireworks in the bottom of the ninth inning for a different reason. But it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's ever any repercussion from from Emil Reyes getting hit by Joe Jimenez. And everybody was reporting. Uh, Mandy Bell was reporting. Zach Meisel was reporting that they did x-rays. X-rays were negative, so it's just a bruised wrist. The Indians do have an off day tomorrow, so hopefully he will be back in the lineup when we're in Pittsburgh on Tuesday because Formil Reyes is red hot right now. And after crushing two home runs on the day, you really don't want to see a hitter this hot get slowed down by being hit in the wrist, in a really ugly spot in the wrist. Like I said, things did get crazy in the bottom of the ninth. Jacoby Jones leads off with a double against Wickren. Victor Reyes then singles to left field. Jacoby Jones comes in and scores. He does get Harold Castro to strike out on a foul tip, but then he walks Miguel Cabrera after a long at-bat. And you're thinking, they had Simber warming up in the bullpen, and you thought maybe they would go to him, but he leaves Wickren in, and he gets Jonathan Scope to ground into a double play, Hernandez to Lindor, back to Santana to end the game. And that's your final, the Indians winning it 8-5. to So... It was a crazy game. It had a little bit of everything. Home runs, tons of home runs. Five home runs for the Indians on the day, which is, I mean, amazing to see. But when you're taxing the Tigers' bullpen, when you're basically running through the entire Tigers' bullpen, there is a lot of hittable pitches coming at you. And the Indians did a lot with it today. Man, MVP for a day. It's tough. Lindor... Went, got three hits, like we said, two doubles and that home run, three RBIs and a run scored in the day. But I think I got to give MVP for a day to Fumil Reyes. The three hits, two RBIs, two runs scored, two home runs, including one of the deepest home runs to center field you will ever see in Detroit. I got to give Fumil Reyes MVP for a day. Hopefully his hand feels better. Hopefully he can keep this rolling because he's his average is up to 316 now. He's hitting a 918 OPS. Him and Jose Ramirez both over 900 on their OPS, which is great to see. If you don't know OPS, it's actually just it's really easy. It's just on base percentage and slugging percentage added together. It's in it's a more detailed view of what a hitter's doing than just batting average, right? Because it takes into account slugging percentage. So you definitely want to see numbers in the 800s, you're doing good. In the 900s, you're doing great. So good to see two Indians players up in the 900s with their OPS. Again, for the Indians pitching, Plucko, it's a rough start. You know, we need Plucko. We need Plucko to really fill in while two of our starting pitchers are down in Lake County being basically being grounded for 10 days. So we really need Plucko to hang in there. He probably has one more start before those guys are eligible to come back. So we'll see what he can do, turn things around. He, Plucko's not a bad pitcher at all. Is he the elite level that the five starters were to start the season? No. But he should be a manageable fifth starter for this team. Mayton comes in a good one and one third with two strikeouts. He is pitching great out of the bullpen. He is ERA is only 1.59. Leon might be trouble. We might have to replace Dominic Leon. His he came in and recorded no outs, but gave up two hits, an earned run, and a walk. That's his three batters that he had to face. He technically got a blown save on the day. 
Uh, his ERA is up to 6.23. So that's not great. And when you got so many guys in this bullpen that are pitching good, uh, you know, Leon might be a liability that we could replace. We could go down to Lake County and find someone who could take that role. Or maybe when those two starters are ready to come back, Clevenger and Plesak, it's Leon that gets sent down and Plutko moving back to the bullpen. Oliver Perez gets the win. He pitches a scoreless inning, gave up a hit, but he had a huge inning. Cam Hill didn't give up any runs, didn't give up any hits, gave up a walk, went one and one third. Like we said, Karen check with a huge appearance for the five outs and Wickren finishes the game. So a big day pitching and it wasn't so great for the Tigers. They gave up a lot of runs. Schreiber ends up getting the loss, but Michael Fulmer did not have a good start. Now, Michael Fulmer is an interesting story because he was the 2016 rookie of the year, actually beat out Tyler Naquin for that award, and Gary Sanchez. In 2017, he's actually an all-star. Michael Fulmer is named to the all-star team. And unfortunately, though, he goes on, he's having trouble with his elbow, and he goes on the DL to end that season. He didn't have Tommy John surgery. He had ulnar nerve transposition surgery to end his season in 2017. In 2018, he has a torn meniscus in his right knee. That ends his season in 2018. In 2019, he tries to come back, but in spring training, he's having elbow pain, and he undergoes Tommy John surgery, so he misses all of 2019. So this is his comeback. He was finally medically cleared to participate in the July spring training, right, in summer camp. So that's why he was on a pitch count today. He wasn't going to go more than three innings. So, I mean, for the, for the Tigers' sake, for Michael Fulmer's sake, you hope that he can recover and have a good major league career, especially after being Rookie of the Year in 2016 and being an All-Star in 2017. And being Rookie of the Year in 2016 puts him in some pretty elite company. Looking at the Rookies of the Year for the decade, Jordan Alvarez for the Houston, for the Houston Astros, was Rookie of the Year last year. Now, he started this year on the COVID list, so he really just got started this weekend, and I think he might already be hurt. So we have no clue what's going to happen with his career, but he looks like a massive power hitter for Houston. Shohei Otani was the Rookie of the Year in 2018. He... He's also run into some terrible injury problems. His pitching career might be done, but his hitting career might have a future. He might be a future, you know, be able to continue as a DH for the Angels. Aaron Judge is the rookie of the year in 2017, and we all know about his power. Michael Fulmer in 2016. Carlos Correa was rookie of the year in 2015. He's had a pretty good career if it wasn't also for injury troubles. He's been plagued by things. Otherwise, he would be... I mean, he is in that elite class of shortstops, but clearly Lindor is way ahead of him as far as AL shortstops go. If it wasn't for injuries, Correa might be in the conversation. Jose Abreu in 2014. We all know about his power as Cleveland Indians fans for the White Sox. Will Myers in 2013 for Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Rays actually have two rookies of the year on here. So do the Angels. Um, Will Myers has had a weird career. He's over at the Padres now. They signed him to a way too big of a contract, and he just he's had two decent power seasons, but he clearly not the power threat that everyone thought he was going to be. Mike Trout wins AL Rookie of the Year in 2012. We all know the career he's had. You know, obviously, arguably one of the greatest players of all time. We will see how that continues. Jeremy Hellickson was the other Ray that won it in 2011. 
I don't think he ever developed into the ace that they thought he was going to develop into. And then actually Naftali Feliz, Naftali Feliz for the Texas Rangers was rookie of the year in 2010. And he had, as a relief pitcher, he won that. He had 40 saves that year. And his career did not go the way that the Texas Rangers thought it would go. Uh, He had really two strong seasons, 40 saves and then 32 saves the year after. And that was pretty much it for him. So it is interesting to look at the rookies of the year. Some have struggled. Some have not developed the way they thought. Some have had injury troubles like Correa and Fulmer and Shohei Otani. And so we'll see. We'll see if Michael Michael Fulmer can put it back together. Because there's a reason you're named Rookie of the Year, right? They're, they're, all of these guys have been impressive in their careers. So if he does develop, the Indians will continue to have to face him. But right now, it is not a problem for the Indians because they are on a 20-game winning streak against the Tigers. So there we go. Our MVP for the day was Fermil Reyes. The, uh, the Indians' bullpen saves the day, and the Indians win 8-5. to five. Now, we got an off day uh, today, so that means no podcast in the morning. We'll wait until that night game against Pittsburgh Tuesday night. It's a three-game set against Pittsburgh. They're all 7 o'clock starts, so I know a lot of these series we've been bouncing around. And then we come home and face Detroit, and then Minnesota coming up in a week. So, you know, it was great to see the bats come alive against Detroit, like, Obviously, a team like Detroit is there to wake up your bats and get your offense going. Same thing with Pittsburgh. They are not an elite pitching team. So we really have a chance to keep things rolling against Pittsburgh, then Detroit again, and be red hot when we have to face Minnesota. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Detroit. It's the Cleveland Indians 8, the Detroit Tigers 5. We'll be back on Wednesday morning to cover that Pittsburgh game. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. If you thought that was a dirty pitch to Fermil Reyes, send me an email. If you think Francisco Lindor is starting to lock it in the three-hole and he should stay there and not get moved to leadoff, or if you think he should get moved to leadoff, email the show. Let me know your thoughts on the Cleveland Indians. I want to discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. You can call in. I'll respond to your thoughts on air, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.